everybody. Welcome back to Everyone Talks to Liz. I'm going to assume that you own some type of investment, whether it's a stock or a bond or some real estate, something, right? If you're an investor, then you're probably a consumer of business news. And I'm sure you have noticed pretty much every other article lately is swirling around the hottest debate right now. Is Bitcoin a boon or a bubble? Is it real? Or as billionaire Berkshire Hathaway vice chair Charlie Munger told me all the way back in 2013, is it rat poison? That's what he called it. The answers are not at all clear right now, because when Munger bluntly blurted that out during our interview, what was eight years ago, Bitcoin was trading around 100 bucks. Today, it's hovering around $36,200. Okay, after hitting a record high last week of around 42,000. Cryptocurrency is such a polarizing subject lately because a lot of people really believe in it, while others have trouble wrapping their minds around what it is, why you need a password, and how, if you don't pay attention, your crypto can disappear into the twilight shadows of the internet gone forever. Uh, So here's an example. Former Ripple Labs executive Stefan Thomas locked out of a $220 million Bitcoin fortune because he can't remember his password. And I guess you have a certain number of guesses until you're locked out. He's got two more guesses. And then he's locked out forever if he doesn't guess right. In fact, Stefan joins a crowd of many who've been locked out of their riches with roughly, I don't know, the estimate is $140 billion in lost or forgotten crypto wallets. My guess today was locked out of his Bitcoin wallet, but that's not why he's become the most vocal Bitcoin bully, as some call him, using his voice as a famed investor to serve as town crier warning about the dangers, and as he sees it, illegitimacy of Bitcoin. Now, before I give you his name, of all my episodes of Everyone Talks to Liz, the one I did with him about a year ago is to this day our most listened to episode. So back by popular demand, Peter Schiff of Euro Pacific Capital joining us on Everyone Talks to Liz. Peter, welcome back. Oh, well, thanks for welcoming me back. No, I'm not really welcoming you. I just feel like I had to. Just kidding. You know, I can talk about things with Peter like that because we went to high school together. Yeah. Remember those days, Peter? I remember. Seems like it was just yesterday. Time goes by very quickly. (laughs) So, and, you know, I, I don't even know this, but I forget the name of the publication. But just recently uh, they came out and they, they voted me and it was based on Twitter engagement. But apparently I am the second biggest crypto influencer or Bitcoin influencer, even though I apparently have no influence on Bitcoin whatsoever, because the price keeps going up regardless of how much uh, negative things I say about it. So I, I, but apparently people think I'm a contrarian indicator. The more I talk it down, the more they think it goes up. (laughs) Well, since you've been hammering it for what, more than a couple of years, it has continued to rise. And, and look, if there's, if one of the smartest people on planet earth, Charlie Munger said to me that long ago, because I asked him bluntly, Hey, what do you think of that thing? Bitcoin? And he stopped and he said, mind you, he's in his 90s. He said, I think it's rat poison. And then a couple of years later, I asked his cohort, Warren Buffett. Charlie called it rat poison. It was 100 bucks back then. Today, it's at the time it was 8,000. What do you think of it? And Buffett said, very expensive rat poison. So they're with you on this. Yeah, I think he said rat poison squared. And 
Yeah. And so now I guess it's cubed or something like that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I guess the rats can eat the poison for a while in, before it kills them. I don't know how long it takes. If they, you know, yeah. Don't they don't they good. put up uh, some immunity to rat poison? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. But, you know, Bitcoin is not an investment. It's not a commodity. It's not money. It's not even currency. Um, but, you know, it's a pipe dream. But people are buying it. And as long as they keep buying it, the price can go up. I mean, most of the people that are buying Bitcoin never even sell it. And so even though they have all of this wealth on paper, it isn't really changing their lives very much because they're not using it for anything. You know, because they they're under the delusion that it's going to go up forever. You know, these guys think it's going to be a million dollars of Bitcoin or whatever. And so they don't they don't want to sell even at, you know, 30, 40,000. Uh, but eventually the bubble is going to pop and the price is going to collapse. And it's going to be lower than it was when Charlie Munger called it rack poison. But, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen. But most people are going to lose a bunch of money on Bitcoin. The people who make money are going to be the ones that sell. But there's not that many of those. Why do you have such a negative view? You just you just blurted out a couple of things. It has no value, but it keeps going up. Where do you formulate that thesis? Well, so the, the whole idea behind Bitcoin was to digitally replicate gold, right? That's why they represent Bitcoin. Not U.S. dollars? No, no, no. It's, no, it's an, a way to get out of the dollar, right? Because the dollar is fiat currency and gold is real money. And mm -hmm. so Bitcoin proponents claim that Bitcoin is hard money like gold, only they say it's harder because they think it's better at being gold than gold which is a bunch of nonsense. But if you look at the way they represent Bitcoin, it's a gold colored coin with a B in it. And the way Bitcoins are created, they're mined, but they're not mined, you know, like with a pickaxe in the ground. It's a computer solving a problem. So they're not really mining. But the reason they're using the terminology is to confuse people and to get them to think it's, it's like gold. And gold is a commodity. But the reason that gold is money, because money is the most marketable commodity by definition. But the reason that people use gold as money instead of wheat or, you know, or oil or other commodities or even other metals is because gold uh, lasts forever. Right. It doesn't rust, tarnish, decay. Uh, it's easily divisible, dividable. I mean, it's, it has all these properties that make it better money than other commodities. Bitcoin was able to digitally replicate those properties, right? You could take a Bitcoin, you can divide it in half and quarters. In fact, you could divide it into these Satoshis, you know, where there's millions. I forget how many Satoshis are in one Bitcoin. Uh, and, you know, every ounce of gold is exactly the same as every other ounce of gold, right? I mean, every potato isn't the same or every orange, they're different. But mm -hmm. every ounce of gold is identical to every other ounce of gold. And that's the same with Bitcoin. If I have a Bitcoin, it's the same as, as your Bitcoin. But the, the, the important aspect right, that Bitcoin doesn't have that gold has is the most important element in why gold's money. It's not its divisibility or its portability or its fungibility or its durability. What made gold money was its unique value as a metal the most valuable, useful metal in the world, a luxury good used in jewelry, used to adorn all sorts of things. Use, it's the best conductor that mm -hmm. we have. It's used in aerospace and 
and you know, and, and the computer industry, it's used in dentistry. So the reason that gold is a store of value is because when I'm storing gold, I'm storing it so some jeweler could use it in the future or some computer company could use it in the future. In the Let future. me stop you there, Peter. But a Bitcoin, at least lately, can now be used to trade certain things in order to, for example, people have bought houses using Bitcoin. No, no, they, they can't do anything with Bitcoin. In order to buy something with Bitcoin, first you have to sell it. You see, like a lot of people uh, in the Bitcoin community uh, throw this at me because my company, Shift Gold, we have on our website, you know, Bitcoin accepted, right? We, you know, we, you, can, you can buy gold with Bitcoin, but that's really not what happens because there's a company called BitPay and BitPay partnered up with a lot of companies and we were one of the first companies to partner with them, Shift Gold. And so what BitPay does is that if you've got Bitcoin and you go to Shift Gold, what they do is they'll buy your Bitcoin from you and then they'll give Shift Gold dollars so that uh, we can sell the gold for mm -hmm. dollars. So Bitcoin are people doing that a lot lately? What are you seeing as far as numbers are concerned? Oh, I, you know, I'm not, you know, working at Shift Gold, but I don't think there's a lot of people that are using their Bitcoin to buy gold now. I mean, there's they have to sell it. They're cashing out a Bitcoin. Got it. But it's the same way as like if you have a brokerage account, you know, you could sell some stock and then get the cash and buy gold. That doesn't mean that you're using your stocks as money. You're selling your stocks to get money. And that's yes. what people do with their Bitcoin. But the only people who will who they can sell it to are other people who think Bitcoin is going to go up in value because there's no real user for Bitcoin because it has no real use. Let me just rewind a little bit for people out there. And there are quite a few of them who have their trouble wrapping their mind around what is cryptocurrency and specifically Bitcoin. So Bitcoin, you threw out the term Satoshis, Satoshi Nakamoto. For those of you who don't know, is the name that's used by the presumed person or persons who developed Bitcoin. And yes. they authored this Bitcoin white paper after the financial crisis. And they said that they originally came up with it because the whole financial system was such a disaster post uh, housing bubble exploding. Um, nobody's ever seen this guy. They don't really know if it's a guy or a bunch of people, but there are a limited number of Bitcoin. So like gold, it's finite, correct? Well, yes. I mean, let's even if you accept the idea that this self-imposed $21 million limit is a hard cap, because, you know, who knows, the miners may be able to uh, increase it in the future. Mm -hmm. But simply being scarce is not enough. You need to be scarce and valuable. Gold uh, is money because a, it's scarce, but B, the metal itself is extremely useful. Being scarce and having no use doesn't mean anything. I mean, what, if it doesn't matter how many Bitcoins there are if nobody needs them. The only reason that people want Bitcoin is because they think the price is going up. Mm -hmm. And so you buy Bitcoin because well, you Well, isn't think that you can why people it. buy a share of stock in Minnesota mining and manufacturing or Microsoft or Tesla? Is, you know- that it's not actually the case. The reason that you buy a share of stock in Minnesota mining is because you're buying into the business. Minnesota mining is an actual business that has earnings and they use those earnings to either pay dividends or buy back stock. 
And so you are sharing in the earnings of the company. So the, you, the, the stock price doesn't have to go up because somebody else buys it. You could just collect your dividends or the company can buy back stock. Excuse my cat. Anyway, go back. on. <laughs> yeah. So real investments have a return. Stocks pay dividends. Bonds pay interest. Real estate pays rent. That's what makes them an investment. Uh, Bitcoin pays nothing because it doesn't earn anything. But it's not like a commodity. Like if I buy a commodity, I don't get any interest or dividends on wheat, but I can consume wheat. I eat it. You know. Yeah, but uh, let, let me just is- push you here. When people invest in crude oil, they have no intention of taking possession of 30 barrels of oil in their driveway. Okay, they buy futures. They buy it and they sell it and they, they, they're trying to capture the upside, whether it's you know 38 cents on a session or another couple of bucks after a couple of months. They have no intention of actually buying a barrel of oil. That's correct. But somebody does. I mean, there's somebody on the other side of that contract that needs the oil and wants future delivery. That's where that's where the futures markets come from. Without the end user, without the person who needs the oil, there's no contract to trade. So even if you yourself don't need the oil, somebody does. Now, you can speculate as to whether or not that person who needs oil is going to pay more for it or less Mm -hmm. for it. But there has to be an end buyer. That's the problem with Bitcoin. There is no end buyer. There is nobody who needs Bitcoin. It's all speculators. And as long as the speculators think the price is going to go up, well, then people will buy it. But once the speculators don't want it, there's no market and the whole thing implodes. A lot of large companies lately, Peter, have embraced Bitcoin. And I'm talking about Microsoft, Visa, PayPal, Square, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, to name a few. Are you saying that all of these companies who are run by extraordinarily smart people are making a huge mistake or are at least wrong? Well, first of all, you have to define embrace and 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 how many in numbers, because I think it's a small percentage of corporations that are even doing anything with Bitcoin. Uh, and it's a very small percentage of you know institutions that even have their their toe in the water when it comes to Bitcoin. But I think those that do are very vocal about what they're doing because you know that's part of it, right? Because you have to talk it up. You know, it's like um, uh, you know the, the people in Bitcoin they're like the Harry Kushners of the investment world because they're, they're constantly prophetizing. They need more converts. You do to that get, too, you, though, with gold. Fire. I mean, you're known as a gold bug. They right, call but, people who are real believers gold bugs. Right. But I don't need to convince people to buy gold to make the price go up. I mean, people are going to buy gold because they need it, you know, and it's got nothing to do with what I say. But if if you own Bitcoin and it's such a thin market, it's easy to manipulate it. And, and, and you need to get new buyers to come in in order to get the price to go up because there's no natural buyer. So you have to sucker in people to buy the market. But I think why some of these companies like Square, you know, and of course, Square and, 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 um, uh, and PayPal. Uh, PayPal are the same, right? It's the same, you know, management. Um, but I think that since there are people that have Bitcoin, um, and they obviously have something that has marketable value today because you can sell the Bitcoin because there's somebody foolish enough to buy it. So I think there are companies that think that they can make money off of Bitcoin 
Uh, they're not necessarily believing in the long-term viability, but if they can make a buck on it, uh, they want in on it. I think that's what's happening with some of these Wall Street firms that initially and correctly were very critical of Bitcoin. Now that they see they can make some money, you know, bring in some deals together, uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's not so bad because they can make a buck off of it. That doesn't mean that they've embraced it. And, you know, it's I think it's even funny, too, because a lot of these firms that never liked gold, that were always very bearish at go- about gold and making fun of me for buying gold, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they like Bitcoin because it's digital gold. I mean, if they didn't like the actual gold, well, they should like digital gold even less. Uh, but, you know, now all of a sudden, because they can get some banking deals, uh, they like it. But maybe they they like Bitcoin because it's taking some of the attention away from gold. Mm-hmm. Because the last thing these bankers want is for the gold price to go up. And so to the extent that they can divert attention to Bitcoin, that serves their purpose. Because it doesn't matter what happens to the price of Bitcoin. That's irrelevant to the financial okay. system. Let me take you back to December of 2017. That's when Bitcoin had scratched its way all the way to a mountaintop of about 19783 per coins. It then... Pretty shortly thereafter, I don't know, like a week or something, it fell below 11,000. Boom. And then it went below 10,000. Yeah, it went down to 3,200, 3,300, something like that. I forget so the exact low. What if I told you that a lot of people say, oh, I should have bought it there because look where it is now 36,000, 40,000. <clears throat> Yeah, well, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and sure, you know, but you know, a lot of things have gone up a lot. You know, people like to compare Bitcoin to gold, and they say, "Look, Bitcoin has gone up a lot more than gold," which, of course, it has. But gold's a very conservative uh, store of value; it's a safe haven. Bitcoin is highly speculative, and and so comparing it to to gold makes no sense. But of course, that's how they like to market it. But you know, I didn't buy any Bitcoin. Uh, when it was down at 3,000. But I actually own some stocks that have gone up 10, 20 fold uh, over the past year too. I mean, there's a lot of speculative mm-hmm. stocks sure. that, have, that have gone on a run that I think have a lot more substance to them to Bitcoin. So there's a lot of good speculations out there mm-hmm. in the market. So, I mean, you don't have to buy Bitcoin if you want to take a risk. <laughs> there are better ones right. out there. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, let me get to your personal experience with Bitcoin. Somebody made a wallet for you and put some Bitcoin in it, correct? Tell us about that journey and what happened 
because suddenly you found yourself locked out. But go to the beginning of how that happened. Yeah. So here's basically what happened with me. So I did a debate with this guy named Eric Voorhees, who was mm-hmm. an early Bitcoin guy. Sure. And it was at the Soho Forum in New York. And and so you can see that debate. It's on it's on the Internet. So anybody can see the, the debate. And after the debate, we all went out to dinner. And while we were at dinner, Eric or his buddy, uh, they set up a wallet for me. And he transferred $100 of Bitcoin into my wallet. And I transferred $50 back and kept 50. Right. Okay. So I was just seeing how the whole thing works. So I left that restaurant with $50 worth of Bitcoin. What was Bitcoin worth at that point? What year was this? Oh, it was a few years ago. Okay. I mean, it was, you know, it was, you know, six, seven thousand. I don't remember okay. what it was. But in any event, so I've got this wallet. And then I was at a, a, a money show or one of these conferences and somebody wanted to buy a couple of my dad's books and they didn't have any money and they knew I, ha- I had this wallet. And so they paid me in crypto. Mm-hmm. The guy gave me some ether and some Bitcoin cash and I really didn't want it. So I made him pay extra. I charged him like a 30 percent premium or whatever. And so we, so then I had like a hundred bucks worth of cryptocurrency in this wallet. That so you then, had opened before. You had been able to access it. Yeah, well, what happened was Eric gave me a pin, a four-digit mm-hmm. pin to my wallet. And that's all I ever knew. Okay. Now, nobody told me what the password was. Nobody told me what the seed phrase was. I had this pin, and that's all I knew. And, and I still know the pin. Anyway, so then I'm at, I think it's a money show or a Freedom Fest. I'm on a panel. And we're discussing gold and Bitcoin. And sitting mm-hmm. next to me is Jeffrey Tucker, who I've known for a while. I see him at a lot of events. Uh, we're kind of friendly. And so I, I told Jeff, you know, hey, I, I, yeah, I got some Bitcoin now, jokingly, because I've got this wallet and I've got 100 bucks worth of you know, crypto. So then Jeffrey Tucker is on some radio show somewhere and he's like, oh, Peter Schiff owns Bitcoin. He owns Ether. He starts outing me as being a crypto owner. So now all of a sudden, all over the Internet, people are saying, oh, Peter Schiff is publicly bashing Bitcoin, but he secretly owns it. He, he, he's owning it. So then which is ridiculous in and of itself. If you owned yes. it, why would you bash it? I, I, and I barely own any of it. So what right. difference does it make? Fraction. So anyway, so all, there's all these articles online about how I'm a, I'm a secret Bitcoin <laughs> holder, uh, which is the word they use for close their eyes and never sell. So then I, I get online. And I and I and I deny like on Twitter, hey, I got like a hundred bucks worth of crypto, so leave me alone. I mean, I don't own it, right? <laughs> so then this guy, Anthony Pompliano, who everybody calls this guy Pomp, he tweets to me and he says, Hey, what's your wallet ID? I'll give you I'll give you a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. You know, give me your wallet ID. So I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to figure out my wallet ID. I've never used it. Right. And then so then I tweet out what I think is my ID. And I got it wrong. And so then I, I, I figured it out. I put the right ID on there. And I said, oh, here's my wallet. So anyway, Pomp never gave me $100. But a lot of other people gave me money. And all of a sudden, I had like $3,000 worth of, worth of Bitcoin in my wallet. Because They're just handing it over to you. Yeah, people started giving me money. So I accumulated like a third of a Bitcoin, all for free. I didn't pay. People were just... Giving me, you know, giving me Bitcoin. Not they weren't giving me money. They were giving me Bitcoin, right? Don't confuse it for money. So I got, I got this Bitcoin in my wallet. So now, you know, I've and it, you know, if I still had access to it, it'd be over ten grand if I could sell it. 
but it was a few thousand dollars then. And so one day I open up my phone and I want to check my wallet, see how, you know, what I got in there. Um, and my pin doesn't work. And, you know, I, and I, 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 I keep trying to get in and it's, but it's asking me for my password. It says like, you know, you, we need your, and all I'm doing is putting in my pin because that's which all had ever, worked before. Correct. Yes. Yes. Because, but it would, apparently the wallet like recycled or did something. And so I couldn't use my pin. Now I needed my password. So I email Eric Voorhees. Hey, what's my password in my wallet? Well, I don't know. Didn't you write it down? You never told me what it was. <laughs> so I contact a wallet company. I'm talking to people there. They can't figure it out. Well, what's your seed phrase? I, I don't know. My, no one gave me a seed phrase. So nobody knows my seed phrase. Nobody knows my password. My pin's no good. You, 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 I, if, you know, so my, my Bitcoin are lost forever. I mean, I, they're not lost. I know exactly where they are. If you get my wallet ID, you can see my, my Bitcoin in that wallet. I just have no ability to access them. So since I can't access them, I can't sell them. And I can't get any real money for them. Or I so can't this is what them. drives me absolutely <laughs> crazy. This doesn't make sense. And yet people like Ray Dalio, billionaires. Ray are- Dalio's not buying any. He 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 made he he mentioned it like, well, you know, let me look at it. Ray's not buying it. He knows it's 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 not worth anything. And the problem with Bitcoin is not that you can lose it. That's not my beef. People think I don't like Bitcoin because I lost my Bitcoin. That has nothing to do with it. I don't like Bitcoin because it has no actual value. You can't be money without real value. Now, people confuse this. They say, well, dollars have no value. Euros have no value. And that's true. They used to have value when they were backed by real money. But now they're just fiat currency, which is why they depreciate uh, every year. But what gives those fiat currencies their marketability is that they're legal tender. And if you're an American citizen, you need dollars because every Mm -hmm. year you have to pay your taxes and the U.S. government requires dollars. So Americans need dollars to pay their taxes and dollars are the unit of account. Uh, But none of that is true with Bitcoin. What do you think of this issue? Ripple, another crypto company, has XRP as its coin. The SEC is now saying it's not a currency. It's not like Bitcoin. In fact, it's more of a security. And therefore, we got to shut you down because you haven't been following SEC rules. Yeah, well, they're not saying it's not like Bitcoin. They're just saying it's a security. And therefore, it needed to be registered. And they've been selling unregistered securities. Now, I believe that the SEC will ultimately make the same allegation against Bitcoin. Because as of now, the CFTC has said Bitcoin is a commodity. But it's not really a commodity because it's not used in the way any other commodity is used. I mean, it's not consumed uh, like, you know, agricultural commodity. It's not used, you know, to drive your car like oil. It's not used in jewelry like gold. So it's not really a commodity. Um, and is it a security? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Ripple is a security. It's Why? not quite as well, because Ripple, all the Ripple tokens are issued by Ripple Labs Incorporated. And then Ripple Labs goes out there and, and does things to try to create value for those tokens. 
and, and and it's trying and therefore it's trying to create value for the people who buy the tokens. And so it's operating like a company like, hey, buy my tokens and then we're going to work and try to get the price to go up, which is you know how they're they define a security. Um, but I think you could make the same argument with Bitcoin, even though there's not one central company like Bitcoin Inc., but you have a group of people who are acting for a common purpose. You have a lot of miners, obviously, that are mm-hmm. earning money, uh, you know, creating Bitcoin and validating transactions. But you have a lot of whales who are independent of one another, technically, but they bought a lot of Bitcoin years ago at much lower prices. Right. And they are trying to pump up the price through marketing or whatever they're doing so that they can ultimately sell. And, and so they're working. Why aren't they selling to- now? See, this is well, and they let are play devil's now. advocate, Peter. I get it. I get why and what you are saying. But this just sounds to me like any speculative investment where, yeah, you owned it and you somehow bought it cheap, you know, you invested in windmills or something like that. And then you're really kind of pounding the table on it to try and get it high. Everybody does this in every single type of investment. No, sure. You can talk up your own investment if your goal is to sell it at a higher price, but ultimately the investment has to do something. So if I'm investing in windmills, it's because those windmills are going to generate power and the power is going to be sold and the windmill operators are going to make money selling that power. Nobody makes anything on Bitcoin. Right? It, 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 it's all like a Ponzi or a pyramid kind of rolled into one. Well, you just got a lot of attention for calling it fool's gold. But let me bring you to this, Peter. Mm-hmm. These arguments about whether Bitcoin is real or not uh, have have actually caused a little bit of a family rift. Your son, Spencer, who's on Twitter, very active. And I've known Spencer since he was a baby, one of the smartest 18-year-olds I know. He is actually pro-Bitcoin. He agrees with you on a lot of other uh, theories and, and economic points that you have, you know, hammered for many, many years. But this is where you guys differ. He says that your understanding of Bitcoin is flawed. Well, he said my understanding of money is flawed in a tweet, and, and, and he's wrong. You know, I mean, you don't know everything <laughs> when you're 18. But, you know, I think it's funny that, you know, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, look at Spencer and they think, oh, you know, he's, you know, he's the, the, the smart one. And as a joke one day, you know, because I knew I was kind of trolling with the Bitcoin community. So I put out a poll mm-hmm. and I said, look, who are you going to trust? You know, a 57-year-old professional who's been <laughs> in the business for 30 years, who's seen all the markets, and or an 18-year-old college freshman who's never had a job. And so, the, and it was, the answers were <laughs> the, the experienced professional, the kid. And like, you know, I got like, you know, fit, it was like a huge poll and overwhelmingly, and, and people thought that I, you know, ah, let's let's show Peter. Like they thought I was serious. I I was baiting them to to go to the kid. But I'm trying to prove a point that there's something to be said about age and experience. Mm-hmm. And right now it's like, okay, boomer. Like I'm just the reason I don't get Bitcoin <laughs> is because I'm so old I don't understand it. No, the reason the young people believe in it is because they don't have enough experience to realize that they've been conned. Well, Mike Novogratz is no 19-year-old. I mean, he's he's our contemporary. He's, of course, is a big, big, big uh, Bitcoin Yeah, um, and, you know, again, believer. 
I don't know, because again, when you own Bitcoin, the only way the price goes up is if you convince other people to buy it. So, you know, pe people always think that I'm, a, that I'm not objective, you know, because, oh, they say, Peter, you know, you, you sell gold, so you can't be objective about Bitcoin. Nobody who owns Bitcoin can ever be objective. If you own it, you have to tell other people to buy it. So I don't know. You know, when you hear one of these big Bitcoin guys talk in their book, I mean, what else are they going to say? Mm -hmm. But clearly, look, you know, Warren Buffett's a smart guy. You know, Warren. Yeah, but he, you know? Warren Buffett and also does not invest in gold. So well, but, he doesn't like either. Well, the reason Warren Buffett, because he's talked a lot about gold. Yeah, he says it does he, nothing. It, right. It doesn't do anything. It's a, it, it preserves its value. Now, Buffett is always bullish, right? If you're bullish on America, if you think the economy is great, if you think the stock market's great, then you don't need gold. But if Warren Buffett was negative, if Warren Buffett was worried about inflation and a weak dollar and he thought the stock market was going to go down, he would buy gold. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't have that outlook. But if he did, then he would buy gold. I mean, he, you know, I, I read an article that he wrote a long time ago talking about the U.S. dollar and he called it squander bucks. And I've heard Warren Buffett define inflation as a tax. So he understands these things. Okay. And so he he if Warren Buffett was worried about inflation and a weak dollar, he would buy gold, not Bitcoin. Peter, yeah. let me end with this. What will trigger what you believe is the bursting of the Bitcoin bubble? And don't say I don't know. Well, give me something. Well, you remember the story about the emperor and his clothes? Of course. Right. So um, there, there, are, there basically are two types of people who buy Bitcoin, right? There are the people who don't realize that it doesn't have any value. And, and so they're buying it. And then there are people that know it has no value, but they don't care. They're buying it too, right? Because the price is going up. But at some point, you know, more of the people who don't care that Bitcoin doesn't have any value, they'll start to care. And some of the people who don't know that it doesn't have any value are going to figure it out. And at some point, the balance is going to tip. And you're going to have a lot of people who want to get out, right? Especially if they have a lot of, you know, on paper money in Bitcoin. And, you know, they want to buy a new car. They want to get out from under their, you know, they're, in, they're living in their parents' basements uh, because they got a Bitcoin fortune, but they don't have any actual money. And they, they want to actually start spending some of their paper, you know, you know profits, whatever. Mm -hmm. And now you get a bunch of people that want out, but you don't have enough new buyers coming in. And then the market really starts to fall. And then... More people, when they start to see their paper profits vanish, they want to get out before the rest of it is gone. And because there's no real buyers, like in the stock market, there is some floor to how low a stock's going to go. Because at some point, the earnings are just so attractive, the dividends are so high mm -hmm. that you buy it for the income. Real estate, there's only so low it can go before you, know, you buy it for the rental income or you need the house. Bonds, if bond prices fall low enough, the yields are high and people buy. Okay. Now, if a commodity, if gold prices get cheap enough, the jewelers are going to buy a bunch of it. The computer chip makers are going to load up on it. I need it. But there is no natural buyer for Bitcoin. Once the price starts to fall, it can fall to zero. And so I think it's going to be very quick. It's going to, it's going to start to decline, and then all of a sudden it's going to crash. And people have been conditioned, right? Buy the dips, hold them, right? That's what they say. Close your eyes, 
tune out the FUD, right, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Don't worry. You know, you have Bitcoin going down 80 90%, and people say, don't worry, it's going to come back. Well, one of these days, it's going to go down 90%, and then it's going to go down another 90%, then it's going to go down another 90%, and it's not going to come back. And people are going to be stuck holding the bag. Because at the end of the day, the way these things work is the only money that people make in Bitcoin is equal to the money that other people lose. There's no mm. wealth that's being created with Bitcoin. Wealth is being transferred from the people who buy Bitcoin to the people who sell it. Sounds like tulip mania. Boy, except Peter. without the tulip. Except tulip, without, at least, that, <laughs> at least you, you had know. a, at least you had a <laughs> yeah, flower. Exactly. Okay. For those of you who don't know what tulip mania is, I want you to Google it. It is an important piece of investment history, but talk about a bubble that burst. People were left with nothing after paying thousands and thousands for tulip bulbs. Yeah, that's the one thing we're going to get out of Bitcoin. I mean, we don't have to talk about something that happened in Holland 500 years ago. Now we have a modern version. You know, it'll be Bitcoin mania. And, And just like, you know, we have a Ponzi scheme in the future, they're going to be talking about a Bitcoin scheme. Because, Oi, I, mean, I can I can hear the complaints already from the Bitcoin believers. Peter, thank of course, you. They're, they're a cult. It's like, you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, listen, right, listen, we will always have you on the show because I know the story is not going away. Everybody, you know, again, as I mentioned, this is not Peter's first appearance on Everyone Talks to Liz. The first time I had him on, it was very much in keeping with the genetics of this podcast, which is the American dream and how Peter uh, built his multi, multi, multi million dollar empire in investing <laughs> from nothing. And his dad, may he rest in peace, had a very interesting story himself. Erwin Schiff spent many years in prison for all kinds of beliefs that he had about whether it was legal to pay taxes, whether it was fair for the IRS to even exist. So and he lots lived of controversy. Long enough to know about Bitcoin. You know, we talked about it briefly, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> what was, did he say? Well, he, you know, you know, he he was interested in it, I think, but he didn't know much about it. He heard about it. It was just getting started, you know, when uh, when, when I talked to him about it. But, All right. Well, uh, good luck with Spencer. He has twenty seven thousand Twitter followers right now. He's yeah, well, getting some I, action. Well, I know you're one of them, but I've got three hundred and twenty seven thousand. But so he's got a way to go to catch up to me. But yeah, I think but, I've got one hundred and three thousand. So I'm somewhere in between. Yeah. But, you know, I think if you if you ignore what he says about Bitcoin, he's got a lot of interesting, worthwhile things to say on Twitter. Ah, uh, yes. The, the shift, the shift family. I don't know. It all runs in and jumps from. Uh, yes, exactly. From segment to segment. It's great to see you, hear you. Thank you so much. And I know there are a lot of people out there who may disagree on his opinions on Bitcoin, but it comes from a place of his research and and understanding. People always want to criticize me or say I'm wrong because the price of Bitcoin has gone up as I've been talking about the bubble and how it's not going to work. It has. Uh, The price goes up. And look, I've never said the price couldn't go up. I mean, obviously, as long as people are foolish enough to buy it, the price (laughs) could go up. Uh, And that doesn't prove that I'm wrong. All I'm saying is that the price will go up until it collapses. And the last couple of times it collapsed, obviously it wasn't down for the count. They, they, they were able to revive it. Yep. But at some point, it's going to go down for good, and that's going to be it. And, and nothing that's happened is disproving anything that I said. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that some of these institutional investors have bitten onto this thing. But, I mean, ultimately, you know, they're going to be bag holders too. 
We'll be watching it, and uh, <laughs> you'll be right there alongside us. Great to talk to you, Peter. Thank you sure so thing. much. Bye-bye. And, you know, from gold to dollars to investments to Bitcoin, we talk about all of it. And try and help you wrap your mind around it on the Claim and Countdown, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Fox Business Network, Monday through Friday. Please join me, and I'll see you next time.